Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God expects us to stand and depend on what he's told us. He expects us to believe that it's true and to conduct ourselves in conformity to those truths. And the Lord would say, you stand on what I told you. You believe what I told you. You lay hold of what I told you. And you see, that's where the rest comes. That's where the peace comes. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Genesis chapter 50 in a message titled, The End of the Beginning. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Oh, but to you, it seems like it should have come a long time ago. You see, this is the dilemma that we find ourselves in. Because it does seem to us, from our point of view, that, you know, Lord, what is taking so long? Lord, you know, you told me that you were going to do these things, and what's happened to all of that? But you see, if God has given a promise, you can bet your life he is going to fulfill that promise. And if he hasn't fulfilled it yet, what are you supposed to do? You just keep waiting. And you just keep faithful, and you just keep believing. I just believe that God's going to do it. And you know, like we pointed out back when, you know, that, that day when Joseph woke up in prison, and by the afternoon, he was in the palace. You know, one day when you least expect it, Maybe one day when you've kind of just, you know, even forgotten about it, suddenly it's all there. God brings it all together. You know, you think of, um, you think of Zachariah, the husband of Elizabeth. Remember when the angel Gabriel appeared to him and basically told him, you know, your prayer has been answered. You're going to have a son. Now, evidently, this was a prayer that he hadn't prayed for quite a while. He probably, to some extent, given up on ever having an answer to that prayer. But when he least expected it, there it was. See, God is faithful. And even though not only do we have times of delay, but we have times where there's uh, even uh, an attempt or in some cases a concerted effort on the part of the enemy to overthrow the plan of God, to prevent the plan of God from happening, it's not possible. God's going to get his plan accomplished. And even though there might be evil intent, God is able to turn all of those things around. The third thing we see with Joseph here, not only was he able to leave it to God to right the wrongs, not only could he see God's providence even in the midst of man's malice, but we see with Joseph that he repaid evil not only with forgiveness, but with practical affection. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. Not only did Joseph completely forgive them, but he blessed them. He did good to them. And, and even though Joseph, of course, he's an 
you know, he's an Old Testament saint. He's centuries away from the new covenant. He's centuries away from, you know, the spirit of God coming in and making him a new man. And he's centuries away from that, you know, what we would know today as, as the fruit of the spirit operating in our lives. He's manifesting all of the characteristics of just a true believer in his confidence in the Lord and his willingness to leave it in God's hands. And, and then he's, he's just, he's going to forgive them and he's going to bless them. Now with Joseph, as we've mentioned, touched on here and there, there are so many ways in which Joseph really seems to be a type of Christ. It's never stated anywhere that he is a type of Christ. As a matter of fact, there are many places where there's obviously a picture being painted of Christ, and it's never clearly stated that that's the case. Remember when we studied the, um, the offering up of Isaac on Mount Moriah? And clearly, that is a prophecy of the Father and the Son and, and the love and the offering and all of those things. It's, you know, it doesn't say somewhere at the end of that story, oh, by the way, this is a prophecy about Jesus who will come in the future. But as we look at the story, we see the parallels are so clear. And and so likewise with Joseph, as we look at the life of Joseph, there's so many things where he is paralleling in his own experiences and in his own behavior and his attitude, especially toward his brothers, he's paralleling Christ. And one of the things, of course, that we read in the prophets in the future about when the Lord returns and is finally recognized by his people, the Jews, who have all of these long centuries rejected him. One of the things that's, that's spoken of in those prophetic scriptures is the abundance of grace and love that God is going to pour out upon them in those days. And that passage there, I think we referred to it a while back, but that passage in Zechariah, that in that day there shall be a fountain open in Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And there's going to be this, just this abundance of grace. And just as Joseph is here, really not only forgiving, but lavishing his love and comfort and provision upon these who betrayed him, That's a beautiful picture of Jesus and what he will do for his people when they do finally embrace him. And so he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. So remember, Joseph went to Egypt when he was 17. So he spent the vast majority of his life in Egypt. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, And to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. Now, the book of Genesis, 
like the Old Testament in microcosm, it ends by pointing beyond its own story. And as I said, we've come to the end of the beginning. So it's the end of the beginning. It's not the end of the story. It's the end of the beginning of the story. The story that began in the garden. But the story that will go on and on and on for many, many centuries, of course, you know, finally coming to a culmination in, in the coming of Christ, but then uh, the story continuing on even to this very day and not being complete until the Lord actually returns. So it ends by pointing beyond. Joseph says, I'm going to die, but God is going to visit you. As we look at the story from this point, Man has traveled far from life and fellowship with God in Eden, finally to what we read here in the final words, a coffin in Egypt. I mean, think of the contrast of that. You know, when you contrast the very last words of Genesis with the very first words of Genesis, it's astounding. In the beginning, God created the whole first portion of Genesis is it's all about life. It's biogenesis. It's the beginning of, of all life. And the whole of the first couple of chapters, as you know, is just, it's just teeming with life. But the final words are words of death. In the beginning, God created and everything was good. And now we come all the way to a coffin in Egypt. But, as I'm saying, the story doesn't end there, for Joseph's last words were a declaration of his faith in the promises of God. God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. I love that. Joseph doesn't insist on being buried in Canaan like Jacob was. And, you know, again... Joseph, to me, he's so amazing because, you know, he's a man of such deep spiritual insight. Joseph, he clearly believes in the promises of God. He clearly believes in the promises of God. So he knows also that God had declared to Abraham that his descendants, Joseph being one of them, his descendants would be strangers in a strange land for 400 years. And so Joseph makes no attempt to have them move his body to Canaan once he dies. He says, I'm going to die. God's going to visit you. And when you leave this place, take my bones with you. Something about that is powerful to me. It's just, it's just the, the absolute confidence that Joseph had in the promises of God. And, and again, these are, you know, these men, are, they're examples to us. They're examples to us that we would likewise have that kind of confidence. What God has said, I believe it. I'm going to stand on it. I have 
every bit of trust that the Lord is going to do what he said he's going to do. But you know, it's in these days that we're living in, for some reason, you know, it seems that so many people, when darkness comes or when things get really difficult, instead of just you know, standing firm on those promises, a lot of times people are just letting go of the whole thing. But, but it's true so often that, you know, I mean, these are really times of testing, but, but this is the time to believe what God said. You see, that's the whole point. You know, when I'm, when I'm not in a time of distress, do I really think all that much about the promises of God? Not necessarily. I'm just kind of cruising. Everything's going well. I don't have many difficulties. I'm praising God and I'm thankful. But, you know, but it's when things get tough and things get tight and I get in you know, some kind of a situation where there's pressure. What do I do then? Well, it's not time to let go of the promises. It's time to lay hold of them. And by faith to say, yes, God, you know, I'm taking you at your word. I'm believing you. I'm trusting you. And listen, if you have been, you know, at some point in time, if God has spoken to you some promise in his word, and now you find yourself in difficulty, you find yourself in distress, I want you to know that that word that he spoke to you back then was a word for you to hold on to right now. Hold on to that word. Believe it. Lay hold of it. Stand on it. And trust God is going to do what he said he's going to do. You know, we get to a place sometimes where we say, well, okay, but I know, I think, I think God told me that before, but I need him to tell me something else. I, I need a fresh, you know, revelation. I need a fresh word. Now, I felt like that before. But, you know, in my own experience, there are times when you know, I kind of feel like the Lord's saying to me, you've got enough. You've got all I'm going to give you. So you just keep holding on to what I've said to you before. God expects us to stand and depend on what he's told us. He expects us to believe that it's true and to conduct ourselves in conformity to those truths. And you see, like I'm saying, you know, we, sometimes we're in a position where we're crying out, well, Lord, I need more. I need you to give me another sign. I need you to tell me again. I need you to, you know, show me a new thing. And the Lord would say, no, the past history and the promises are sufficient. You stand on what I told you. You believe what I told you. You lay hold of what I told you. And you see, that's where, that's where the rest comes. That's where the peace comes. And that's what Israel had now as they're going into this season. Now, the final words here, we read. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now, if we flip over the page to Exodus, it's, it's, it's a continuation of the story but there's some 350 years at least that have elapsed between the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus. So they're entering into this long, dark period, but God 
intends for them to be sustained by reflecting on their past history and on the promises of the future. When we go into times of darkness, and what I mean by times of darkness, I'm not talking about times of sin. I'm talking about times of darkness where we don't understand, where we don't see the fulfillment of the promises, where it doesn't really look like the way we imagined it was going to look. It's not working out the way we thought it was going to work out. See, it's during those times that we've got to reflect back on the history and think of all of those great things that God did. And that's what Israel had. They had that great history. They could go all the way back and see the hand of God from the very beginning of time moving toward the fulfillment of his promises. And they had that past history with all of its promises of future blessing. And that was the very thing that God gave them to go into Egypt with. And that's it. Sometimes we go into seasons of confusion, we go into seasons of drought, we go into seasons of darkness, and we go in with the past and the promises of the future. And that's what we've got to hold on to. We've got to look back and remember the goodness of the Lord. We've got to remember all that God did. We've got to remember all those things that he's told us and how he's worked and how he's come through. And then we've got to go back and take those promises that he's given and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to believe you. You know, one of my favorite passages is Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. And I would invite you to turn there with me. It's an interesting, it's a really interesting passage because it it tells you something that you, you sometimes don't even think is a possibility. I know as a young Christian, I remember as a young Christian, I never imagined that as a Christian, I could go through deep, dark, Valleys. I never imagined as a Christian that I could go through seasons of, of dryness and, and times of just confusion. I just never even thought that was a possibility. As a young Christian, I just thought, wow, you know, the Christian life is just about joy and excitement and just skipping from one thing to another and just having, you know, one victory after another. That was my preconceived idea of the Christian life. But it wasn't too far down the road that... I found out that it can sometimes be quite a bit different. And, and this passage, Isaiah 50.10, became a lifesaver for me. Look at what it says. Who among you fears the Lord, who obeys the voice of his servant, who walks in darkness and has no light? How? You think, what? Wait a second. How could that be possible? Fearing the Lord, obeying the voice of his servant, but walking in darkness and not having light? You see, again, to the, to the immature Christian mind, that seems like an impossibility. If you're walking in darkness and don't have light, it must be because you really don't fear God and you're not obeying the voice of his servant. That's how we would think. But listen, there are times when it's not because you don't fear the Lord. It's not because... You've been disobedient. 
None of those things are really the issue. It is simply that God has allowed for purposes that we just can't figure out, God has allowed us to enter in to times of darkness. We walk in darkness. We have no light. But listen to what it says. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and let him rely upon his God. And the word rely here means let him lean with all of his weight on his God. I love that. What do you do in times of darkness when you have no light? Here's what you do not do. You do not back away from the Lord. You do not throw aside those promises and say, oh, well, you know, that's never going to happen. God's let me down. You don't do that. This is what you do. You press into God. That's what we're being told here. You trust in the name of the Lord and you rely You lean heavily. You put all your weight on the Lord. And you know what? He's going to sustain you. He's going to hold you up. He's not going to let you fall. Hold on to those promises of God. And even though you might think you need more, no, you don't. That's enough. God's given you enough. I know for a fact that there are people in here that feel like, you know, you've just come to the end. I know there are people that, you know, somebody even told me, I just want to go be with the Lord. My, everything here is, is ruined. It's all a disaster. But remember this, it's not over yet. There's another part to the story. And, and you can imagine, as we talked about Joseph, he was completely human. He wasn't some super saint kind of a guy in the sense that he never was discouraged or doubtful or any of that. You know, there were times when he was in that prison when he probably just thought, you know, this is it. I'm never getting out of this place. I'm never going to get back to Canaan. I'm never going to see my family again. But he didn't despair. He did hold on. And as he would, I would just imagine, as he would have those doubts and those things that would flood his mind, I'm sure at times he would go, but, you know, I just can't, I just can't shake those dreams, though. You know, just that's, there's something to that. And I know for, for myself, when, you know, doubt comes in and seems to cloud everything, there's that little seed of, but, you know, the Lord, I just remember when the Lord spoke that, and I know that was God, so, okay, Lord, I'm holding on to that little, that little grain of your word, and I'm trusting. So, we can do that because these guys did it. And God wrote it all down to give us examples of how Men and women in days of old lived and walked and prospered by faith. And he's calling us to follow in their steps. And so may we take to heart these lessons from the lives of these great men, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And may we follow in their footsteps of faith. 
for the month of January, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. The world, the flesh, and the devil are constantly at war against us Christians, and sometimes we feel defeated, and at others we give in to the pressures of sin and compromise. But in those times, we should not expect harshness from heaven. We can expect the gentleness of Christ to draw us in all the more, because it is God who sets the terms by which He loves us, no matter how unlovable we think we might be. So no matter what your sin or how long you've been sinning, Jesus will never cast you out. If you need to be encouraged about Jesus' unfailing love for you, or if you know someone that needs to know Jesus' love for them, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.